Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. And joining us today, once again, is Mary Margaret Olihan, who is back with us as a colleague here at The Daily Signal. She is a senior reporter, and we are so excited to have you back. Mary Margaret, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. (laughs) It's been so fun in meetings to be like, did you even leave? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like a little vacation. Now you're back. We got you back. I love it. Well, Mary Margaret, I think you started just a couple days after uh, sort of recruitment went out at Heritage for fantasy football. I think it was about two weeks ago that I was in the hall and Lauren was like, hey, you want to play fantasy football? And I I did not know what I was signing up for Uh-oh. and how involved fantasy football is. <laughs> this is my first time ever playing it. Wow. It requires like weekly maintenance, oh, which I didn't realize when Virginia. I signed up. I had no idea. And let's just say I'm not doing so. <laughs> you know, to be fair, I knew how much maintenance went into it. and You did not tell me. <laughs> well, fair. But I also forgot to set my lineup this week. I had a player that oh. was out. Oh, no. So I'm also not doing very well. You guys are such rookies. You don't need to maintain your fantasy football team. You just kind of let it go off into the sunset. <laughs> And then you see how it does. <laughs> see, Mary Margaret, you should be playing because there's all these people playing who are very competitive and who seem they have the appearance like they know what they're doing. And I'm just like, well, he has, I guess, a high rating, so I'll put him in. Anyway, this may be my first and last time ever playing fantasy I mean, football. It, I've played a couple times with my brothers, and they're always grossly disappointed in me because I pick my team based on how good-looking the football players oh, are. No. And then I just kind of let it go. <laughs> Do you ever win? Sometimes. Really? Which is so rewarding because they're so upset. <laughs> they can't believe it. <laughs> so I will say Virginia is in last. <laughs> yeah, I know. I checked. Thanks for the reminder, Lauren. Uh, I'm now in fourth that. place. Yeah. That's not bad. No, I it's mean, not bad at all. You're, wow. You're doing pretty decent. Wow. I'm the Jacksonville Blake Bortles. I thought that was a good <laughs> I know. Yeah. Virginia's just funny. Virginia. Well, so I also, being a rookie, didn't realize how, like, the team naming thing worked. And so I just, like, put my name in and I was like, wait, that's actually, oops. Anyway, <laughs> total rookie over here. Virginia. It's so, literally <laughs> Virginia day. VA is her team. <laughs> well, so it asked for a name, then it asked for the nickname. And I was like, anyway. We're going to get it together. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe by the end of this thing, my team can at least be in the middle of the pack. That's mm, what I'm hoping I'm for. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's like 40% skill and the rest is luck. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to oh, hold for on sure. to my, for my sure. luck card there and hope I... And I think it's the only way I've won. Yeah. Oh, now we're not traveling points. anymore, so... On Friday, well, we are traveling on Friday together, so in the car we can... There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go over, please. All right. Well, Lauren, uh, besides fantasy football, let us know what we have queued up on today's show. Up on today's Problematic Women, we tell you what you need to know about the crisis at the southern border and the 50 illegal migrants that were sent to Martha's Vineyard. Plus, animals are more protected than unborn babies in some states across America. We tell you which ones and share some exciting pro-life news out of Pennsylvania. Also, in honor of the first day of fall, we are sharing some of our favorite fall traditions. And, of course, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning 
or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. Fifty illegals arrived on Martha's Vineyard last week and more or less chaos ensued. One Martha's Vineyard local told Reuters the migrants' arrival was a surprise to everyone on their island. So we, we have uh, some Venezuelan refugees who have, uh, they arrived on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, no one knew they were coming. And so there has been a massive community effort to provide them with housing and care and any any legal advice that we can we can give them. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sent the 50 migrants to the resort off the coast of Massachusetts, and states like Florida and Texas are overwhelmed with illegal migrants, and they have begun sending migrants uh, to these Democrat-run cities. The governor of Massachusetts activated 125 National Guard members to help in the effort of escorting the migrants off of Martha's Vineyard. Over the weekend, the migrants were taken to a military base on Cape Cod. And just to give a little bit of context to what uh, Martha's Vineyard dealt with last week versus what towns on the border deal with, listen to this. So Martha's Vineyard received 50 illegal migrants, and uh, they had those people with them for about four days. Well, last week, Fox News reported that in a period of just two hours, 500 illegals crossed into the city of Eagle Pass, Texas, on the border. So there's literally thousands, tens of thousands of illegal immigrants that are pouring into these towns on the border, and Martha's Vineyard gets 50 and probably about uh, 10 times as much, if not more, press attention than any of these towns on the border get from the mainstream media. Uh, And to give you a sense of the difference between the resources that communities like Eagle Pass have versus Martha's Vineyard, the average home price in Eagle Pass is about $186,000. The average home price on Martha's Vineyard is $1.3 million. That's according to Zillow. (laughs) Mm. Here's what Biden had to say about the situation per KNS 5. What they're doing is simply wrong. It's un-American. It's reckless. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. Republican officials should not interfere with that process. Biden says there is an orderly system in place at the border to deal with illegal immigration. Virginia, Mary Margaret. Your reaction? This is laughable. <laughs> <laughs> and then we laugh. Blah, blah, blah. On cue. <laughs> we, we actually have a, like a laugh sign in the podcast. Here yeah. <laughs> it tells us what to do. <laughs> no, but I mean, for for the president to say, we have a system in place. States don't get involved. Let us handle this is a total joke. Like if you have a system in place, either it's failing miserably uh, and, and you need miserably. a Miserably. Miserably. <laughs> um, or... Quite frankly, you know, I, I think some people will call the quote unquote system that it's in place a mm. joke. Well, everyone knows it's a joke. I mean, I think very few people would listen to the president talk about this crisis as it is right now and not think, what is he talking about? I mean, it, it's just it's a it's ridiculous. 
And it's a total insult to the communities that are having to deal with this on a day-in and day-out basis to essentially have the president kind of like, no, 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 we're working on it. We have the situation under control. And you have communities where crime is spiking, Mm -hmm. where people Mm -hmm. don't feel um, safe in their Mm -hmm. own homes, on their own land. As farmers, as ranchers, they're finding dead bodies. This is a disgusting situation. We have fentanyl pouring across the border. Now drug overdoses are um, the largest killer of individuals, of adults between the ages of 18 and 45 in America. And so much uh, of those drugs is flowing across the southern border. This is a disaster. And the president does not recognize that. There was enough fentanyl that went through Texas this year to kill 220 million people. Insane. Wow. Like, that's that like that's crazy. Yeah. 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 And and it's like if if this isn't a crisis for the president, what what is a crisis? Yeah. 50 migrants messing up. Apparently. <laughs> Some Apparently. rich leftist vacation island. Like, it's such a joke. And, and you see this time and time again. Eric Adams up in New York. Muriel Bowser here in D.C. They're, you know, they want the National Guard. They want a state of emergency when these Republican governors are sending these illegal aliens up to these cities. And they're getting such a fraction of the problem. And they, they see this and they're out there and they're... But then the reports will turn it back on them and be like, well, shouldn't Biden do anything about the border? And then they go crickets. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. yeah, they're, they're so willing to, like, toe this party line and overlook um, the fentanyl poisonings, overlook the danger that these migrants go through. The women, can you imagine they're desensitized to all rape and murder just to get to the country and Democrats their policies are incentivizing this. They're mm-hmm. incentivizing people in South South America and Latin America to like not even see humans as people, but as product. And they're empowering China. It, like it just all of this. It, it's you start to pull one little thread, and the whole thing unravels. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it it is. And on one hand, hard to see these migrants. You know, you see them as people, and especially as conservatives, we we understand the dignity of each of their yeah. lives. But at the same time, like kudos to these Republican governors, because I think the only way these leftist politicians will ever see this problem and admit to this problem is if it's at their front door. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's that's a little bit of of the tug and pull that we have with this issue as conservatives. Learn, like you say, is because these are individuals who are created in the image of God. And to use people as political pawns, no, like that's never something that we want to see done. And so that is completely true. And at the same time, you have communities that are suffering and literally uh, just breaking under the weight of the, a number of illegal migrants that are coming into their communities. And Lauren, I, I think you hit the nail on the head that in order for Democrats to actually recognize oh, this is an issue and this isn't sustainable, they have to feel the pain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Unless Trump's president, then AOC will like wear this fabulous white outfit and go (laughs) cry in front of (laughs) detention facilities. (laughs) We've had memes for years. (laughs) It's just, it's all such a joke. And I mean, we know that they're just such hypocrites. But And this just the issue. Like you just want to like scream from the mountaintops. Like People are hurting. Like, Mm -hmm. we are letting terrorists into our country. We are killing the youth of our country. We are harming these people. And, like, can you you imagine 
just if you lived in El Paso and finding a dead body in your backyard mm-hmm. and like the damage that that would A, do to you, but B, to that person. And the fact that they just can't admit this is a crisis and take some steps to fix this, it should not be a partisan issue. So do you think that this situation, since it has been brought more so to their door and everything on Martha's Vineyard has blown up so much, do you think that we might see maybe from some of the more moderate Democrats, them starting to finally admit, okay, wait, I think what we're doing isn't working. We'll probably at least see some more acknowledgement Mm -hmm. because we know, for example, I think today they were, or this week, there's more migrants showing up in Delaware, which is where President Joe Biden's house is, which is a whole nother kettle of fish that (laughs) the media is going to love. But I think and I think we'll see a couple more little little episodes like this from Governor DeSantis and from other Republicans who are now realizing, oh, this is a really good political strategy to get Democrats to actually pay attention to this. I mean, I'm not quite as hopeful as Mary Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that this is they really see this as some winning political issue for them, that there are going to be open borders and we love everyone and deny the facts and. It really won't be until, I mean, hopefully there are some people who understand what's on the line in terms of immigration and those people are elected when it comes to the midterms. But it really will take change within the government to actually fix this issue. Yeah. No, I think it's either either has to be total change within the government or the Lord has to work some sort of miracle in the hearts and minds of the <laughs> leaders that we have. <laughs> well, and I think, too, the bit, the kind of the strangest thing about this is that I, I believe that the leftists who are trying to do this think that at the end of the day, these people will vote for them because they're going to create these policies and amnesty and giving them all these handouts. But at the end of the day, these folks are religious. These folks mm-hmm. know that there's two genders and only two genders. And I think a lot of these crazy leftist policies are going to push all these people to the right. And we're already seeing this in that they're not going to be these reliable Democrat voters just because their skin might be, you know, a little tan, you know, and it's it's just it's there are some leftist issues that I can see the other side and and have debate. But this just seems like one that should just be common sense. It should be. The America should have a strong border. What do they say? A, a big wall with with big doors? You know, like yeah. we should have a border that we enforce and let lots of people in because that's the country that we were exactly. created mm-hmm. to be. And that yeah. used to be the common consensus that right. used to not be controversial. But stay tuned because uh, up next, we're going to tell you about the states where animals actually have more protections than unborn babies. But if you are enjoying this episode of Problematic Women and want to find other like-minded podcasts, look no further than She Thinks. She Thinks is a podcast production of the Independent Women's Forum. Every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, host Beverly Hallberg is joined by policymakers and thought leaders to cut through the spin and bring you facts on the issues that matter most, from the economy and education to foreign policy and everything in between, she thinks has you covered. And if you can't wait for that next episode to drop, you can listen to past episodes at iwf.org, or you can search for She Thinks Podcast in your favorite podcast app. In at least six states in America, a woman can abort her baby right up to the time of birth. 
in Vermont, Alaska, Oregon, New Jersey, Colorado, and New Mexico. You can have an abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. But in those same states, let's say that you found the egg of a bald eagle or a golden eagle, and you cracked that egg open and you killed the baby bird inside. Well, you could go to jail for a year and face up to a $5,000 fine. And that's because bald and golden eagles and their eggs and their nests are protected under the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. Uh, But it's not just eagles. Animals that are endangered or threatened in America have more protections than the unborn in many states. Like in California, it's illegal to kill or harass sea otters, but legal to have an abortion up until the time that a baby is considered viable, which is usually around 24 weeks of pregnancy. So the the lives of whether it be different kinds of sea turtles, toads, birds, fish, and many other animals are considered sacred in America by law. We say that their lives are worthy of protection and of being preserved. And yet many state laws don't reflect the same value for human life. Um, Now, I know that this is an issue that we talk about some in the pro-life movement, but I I just wrote a piece on this for the Daily Signal, and I was really interested to actually dive into the laws and read some of these accounts of individuals who have literally, you know, been sentenced to jail time to do community service because they somehow violated a law protecting an animal. um, And yet we have all of these states that they're saying it's okay to kill a child. Uh, Is this something that you all have, have ever thought about? I mean, I've thought about it a little bit because I grew up in very like, pro-life communities. And so I feel like when you would go to the March for Life, for example, a lot of people would have signs that say, like, save the baby humans, or they'd have that bumper sticker or whatever, people in my community. And so as a little girl, I remember thinking, oh, that's crazy. Like, people care more about animals than they do about humans. But I loved your story, Virginia, because I don't I don't think I've seen people lay it out that explicitly and show those laws where, like, you can literally be, what did you say, imprisoned mm-hmm. for for breaking open an eagle's egg? And yet I was literally just writing a story about a Republican female candidate who's in hot water because she said that she wants pro-life laws. And she literally just said that she wanted them, and she's being painted as this villain for wanting to protect unborn babies. The like the juxtaposition there is just—it's so bizarre. It's really bizarre. It's just crazy. Virginia, yes, ma'am. You're on the hot seat. Uh oh. Are you pro harassment of sea otters? <laughs> <laughs> what does it even mean to harass a sea otter? Well, so the the <laughs> the, the story that I reported on. Um, an older gentleman <laughs> in two thousand, I think it was two thousand fifteen. Was it John Pop? <laughs> it was that's not. Our, it was not John. That's Pop, our producer. producer. <laughs> he was in California, and um, I think he lived close to the ocean. Anyway, he got so annoyed with the cries of a baby sea otter that he fired an air pistol at it. And um, I don't think it actually hit the um, otter, but that was considered <laughs> harassment. Oh. Uh, and he like had a fine and had to do all these hours of community service. Um, I thought harassment was when like a, a homeless man at Union Station shouts <laughs> at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably a fine with leftists. <laughs> yeah. It's everyday life in Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just shows that on this issue, people who are pro-abortion, they just 
they don't want to see the humanity. They want to just be able to take the easy way out and put on their little pink hat and go on with their life. And But at the end of the day, they know that life is important. Mm -hmm. They can see life in a sea otter. Which, they're pretty daggum cute. They so. are really cute. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, we should protect the sea otters. But let's also protect the Except if protect you're Virginia and you want to harass. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. Virginia harasses sea otters. <laughs> it would probably get a lot of clicks, honestly. <laughs> like, what? Virginia gets canceled. For the record, I like sea otters and I've never harassed a sea otter. Have you ever cracked a bald eagle egg? Did you no. make like a bald eagle Omelet one day. (laughs) (laughs) Nasty. Wow. (laughs) It's getting dark. (laughs) I don't know where to go from here. (laughs) Well, Mary Margaret, you went to Pennsylvania this week. (laughs) Hard hard pivot. Hard pivot. (laughs) I did go to Pennsylvania yesterday or this week. (laughs) I did go to Pennsylvania this week. Um, I went with uh, one of our video producers, Tim. And we drove down yesterday morning. We got up very early. And we went to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania State Capitol, where I think over 5,000 pro-life Pennsylvanians, if that's a word, gathered in Harrisburg to march in the very first March for Life since Roe was overturned, which is, yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, this is a lot of people thought that you didn't need to march anymore after Roe was overturned. But now I think more than ever, from what I was hearing in Pennsylvania, we need state marches for life because it's up to the state legislators to determine these laws. And in Pennsylvania, for example, they have a very pro-abortion governor, Tom Wolf. I saw him tweet today calling pro-lifers forced birthers. I wonder where he got that phrase, you know, Planned Parenthood sending him his talking points. (laughs) Yeah. And I. And so all these people were there and there were so many kids, there were so many families, there were so many children that had special needs or some kind of disability that came with their families. And I would ask them and say, what are you doing here? And they'd say, I came to um, save the babies or I came to march for freedom for babies. Uh, It was very cute. And we talked to a lot of different people there. But um, it was a really good day. Very sunny, very hot. I wish I didn't wear a blazer. (laughs) And... We, we just got a lot of really, really interesting pro-life messages. Yeah. Well, Mary Margaret, thanks for going and for your reporting on it because it was really encouraging to see literally thousands of pro-lifers gathered uh, on a – what was that? T- Monday, Monday. On yeah. a Monday um, out there talking about the pro-life issue, supporting unborn babies. That's amazing to have that kind of turnout just in – in any old day of the week in a state like Pennsylvania that where this is this is kind of a um, a real issue that they need to figure out where and how they're moving forward on the issue of life. Yeah, I was I was very surprised by how big the crowds are. You know, I've been to a lot of different state marches for life um, and the March for Life in general, which obviously is huge when it happens in Washington, D.C., uh, but I kind of wondered if this would be more of a tamer presence, especially since Roe was overturned. Uh, Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life, I asked her if she was surprised by the turnout. She said no. So I guess they knew. They knew what was coming. Well, and this is really the future of the pro-life movement is working in states. And I know March for Life is going to be hosting these marches in states Mm -hmm. across the country um, because that's where the fight is. Right. Do you think they'll move the march from January to June? No, I don't. No. 
I think that there's too much um, tradition and kind of like nostalgia attached to that march and to Roe v. Wade. It's such a monumental pro-life victory. I don't think they'll want to leave that behind. But that day is always so cold. I know, but Lauren, then, look at the weather. Okay, it was pretty miserable last year. We had a good time covering it, but in all my pictures, I kind of laugh because I look like a marshmallow, <laughs> <laughs> like layers of hot. Well, layers. it's always like the coldest day in DC. Yeah, it's like students trek through three feet of snow. DC never gets snow. Yeah, and like June, you just wear a pair of shorts when you make some really cute pro life tank tops. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, nope. Mary Margaret's committed to the tradition of the well, cold. I, I like to suffer for the March for Life, and then. Great tradition after the March for Life. You get home. You're so tired and cold. You turn on something like comforting like Gilmore Girls and you order chow lo mein. Or, no, I can't even speak. Chow mein, lo mein, pork like lo mein. Mm. Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> Chinese food. Okay. There we so go. good. All right. You're selling me. You're selling me. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of weather and seasons, do you all know what today is? I actually forgot until you said this earlier. It is the first official day of fall. Wow. It's a big deal. Wow. And I would just like to say, for the record, that fall was my favorite season before it was cool to be like everyone's favorite season. I remember being eight years old and telling my neighbor that fall was my favorite season. Are you trying to pretend like you were cool about fall yes. before everyone else? I, like a fall hipster? No, I'm not trying. People have been I cool was. about fall for so long. All right. Well, when I was eight <laughs> years old, I had no idea what was cool. So <laughs> This is because you're a New England girl, and New England actually has good fall. Really good fall. Yeah. See, I grew up loving fall, too, because my mom loved fall. Mm. And it is absolutely the best season ever. No way. Summer's the best season. But fall fall's a great. I mean, it's great. Yeah. It's pretty great. So what, what are y'all's favorite... Fall traditions. Oh, that's such well. We've a already good talked question. about mine a lot on the show. Well, football, yeah. <laughs> All right. So apart from football, <laughs> oh, I have okay. Football is part of my favorite fall traditions, but not for the reasons that you would think because I don't enjoy watching it at all. But there is something about a Saturday at my parents' house because I have a lot of siblings, and you know you have that like football noise in the background. Uh-huh. You know the football buzz. And then I make chili, and my brothers are like eating a ton of junk food, and we like make a fire, and everyone's oh, just hanging out in the family room. And maybe you go feeling. for a walk or a run, or I'll take my little sister to do something folly, like go to a pumpkin patch or something. And then you just come back and you just kind of soak in the football noise and the fire mm. and the chili, and it's just great. Oh, so, so good. good. I love the time of day in fall, essentially dusk, where it like the smell in the air, it's so crisp and you can often smell a fire going yes. somewhere yeah. and bonfires oh, yeah. are just the absolute best with like a cup of cider oh. and you're hanging out and you have some great bulky scarf around your uh-huh. neck that's super cute. Oh, can we do that? Yes. <laughs> Everyone's invited. All of our listeners come to DC and we'll have a bonfire. That would be so fun. Um, in my high school for homecoming, it was a tradition uh, for a rope burning contest in each grade. So they had, imagine, like two poles in the ground. And in between the poles, they were probably like 10 feet. There was a rope tied between the two of them. And each grade had to build the bonfire the quickest to get up to the like it was it was really tall it might have been like 12 or 15 feet okay i want to like this to then burn (laughs) the rope in half so whenever the rope would snap you would win this is fantastic yeah we we uh i feel like you need a pretty decent piece of land to do this safely though like oh no we did this like next to the portables it's florida (laughs) 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 i think it's fine if the building catches on fire we'll just throw some pool water on it (laughs) um no, yesterday I had like a fall moment. I sat down and I was like, you know what? 
I think I'm going to watch Gilmore Girls. Aww. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was just like a decision that I like had to think through and be like, okay, we're going to do this. I mean, I feel like we should have a Gilmore Girls Problematic Women episode because mm. it is so fall and wonderful in and of itself. But like you light your pumpkin candle, you turn on Gilmore Girls, you got your coffee. You have to start at the beginning, though. Yeah. Oh, Rory 100%. is still a nice person. Yeah. And then. Oh, so, so insider secret. I had to stop watching Gilmore Girls because I noticed I was getting super sassy with my mom. <gasps> did we talk about this? I think we did. Yes. I texted my sisters and I was like, be careful. Yeah. It's going to make you like. The attitude rubs yes. off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lauren is laughing at his hardcore right no, now. No, Lauren, it's so true. Once you, if you watch it too much, all of a sudden you're like mad at your mom for no reason. And yeah. it's because they have a really bad relationship. It's very true. Yeah. So what? Enjoy it, but uh, maybe don't talk to your mom within 24 hours of watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. Be careful. <laughs> um, here's my Gilmore Girl hot take. Emily Gilmore is the protagonist. She's like always right. And they're just yeah. like always like rude to her. And I'm like, no. like, Yeah. No, I could see that. I think her her delivery is, is pretty bad. I think she speaks a lot of truth, but uh, she doesn't know how to deliver that truth yes. in a way that anyone in her life can receive it. <laughs> So I kind of resent Emily Gilmore because one of my very good friends, Katrina, told me that if I was someone in Gilmore Girls, I would be Emily Gilmore. <laughs> and well, that's I was an like, honor. That's like you're t- telling you like you're the most moral person. You'll stand up for what's right. No, Lauren, it's saying you would be the, the grandma. <laughs> oh, I would. I would love to be the Emily Gilmore of problematic woman. <laughs> She's awesome. She throws great parties. That's true. She's quite the hostess. She loves history. History. That's true. I mean, like, I mean, like what more, Rory, what more do you Rory's need? A super annoying. Lorelai is just like a total self sabotager. Oh no, we all love Lorelai, no. even though you know that meme oh, of like no. the guy sticking like the stick in his bike. Like that's just every episode of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, with but Lorelai. we love her still. Yeah. She's just a lovable, self-destructing person. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, they all need to go to council. I'm sad that they her, really um, Lauren Graham and Peter Krause broke up. Did you hear that? Oh, I did not hear that. Oh, that was that made me sad. Interesting. Because mm, I also love Parenthood. That's okay. another, like, once you finish Gilmore Girls and you're like, what else am I going to watch? You can turn <laughs> that on, on next. Over. See, I'm so afraid of knowing anything about the actors' real lives because at the end of the day, they often end up being people that you don't like that much <laughs> so i try and keep it to the show and keep my fictional view of them <laughs> to preserve <laughs> that image bubble. as long as i can well uh lauren graham and peter krause met as brother and sister on parenthood so oh. like it's weird because in that show they were oh, that's funny that yeah. is weird and huh. then, then they were together for a long wow. time he was in the um netflix special when she goes on her walk he was the cop that like gave her a hard time oh you know like the, the not oh. the cop but like the four state whatever yeah I think yeah I know what you're about. that's crazy he's wow. handsome like wow. they, they were a cute couple and well, was, i'm gonna have was, to do some research after this. <laughs> i don't remember what it is like. <laughs> me i can get I, lauren evans all the celebrity gossip on problem i've <laughs> <laughs> never one reporter on celebrity gossip all right well stay tuned because up next we're going to crown our real problematic woman of the week are you looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. In The Agenda, you will learn what issues Heritage scholars on Capitol Hill are working on, what position conservatives are taking, and links to our in-depth research. The Agenda also provides information on important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, as well as media interviews from our experts. Sign up for The Agenda on Heritage.org today. 
Now, it is that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. The crown goes to Harriet Hagman. Harriet is a bold, conservative voice, an attorney, and she recently spoke in an event at the Heritage Foundation. She called out the hypocrisy of the left. Hunter Biden can strike shady deals with foreign businessmen, sell access to his powerful father, all while smoking crack on video, and nothing happens to him. But many January 6th defendants are held in jail without trial, in abhorrent living conditions, without access to even the most basic rights as guaranteed by our Constitution. And our political elite celebrate their suffering. The Clintons can run a multi-generational, multi-million dollar slush fund with foreign donors while the FBI raids former President Trump's home as part of a partisan witch hunt. And the January 6th committee can boast of, quote, protecting our Constitution while they run a kangaroo court with no due process, no right of confrontation or cross-examination of witnesses, and no one representing the views of the accused, which is not only former President Trump, but anyone who supported him. That was just a clip, but I really encourage our listeners to go and listen to the full speech. It really did inspire me, and I'm I'm a nerd. I, I like love Constitution Day, and so just to listen to her. And one thing that she's famous for, she was the woman who defeated Liz Cheney in Wyoming. Mm, so she's nice. running in the midterm elections for rep- representative in Wyoming at large. No, I think it's so incredible to see um, someone who just speaks so clearly. I mean, she she doesn't have any fluff in there. She's just calling it like it is. She's speaking directly to, you know, this is what we've seen from the left. And time and time again, they they pick and choose. The left picks and choose what they want to call out um, or, you know, call this this issue a problem, but then they'll totally ignore this over here. And it's really refreshing to see someone who has a platform and is using it to speak truth. Mm-hmm. Speak truth to power, Harriet Hegman. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on being Problematic Woman of the Week. Well, with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, subscribe and share. Oh, and we almost forgot. Mary Margaret, thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, thank it's you for having me. Have you back. Yeah. I'd love to come on and talk about my fantasy football team and Gilmore Girls <laughs> any other day Whoa. of the week. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> and don't forget, conservatives need your support in the podcast world. And we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great week and enjoy your first full official weekend of fall. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Brie Payton.